I would not have gone to art school if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have started Designer Consulting Co-op. No, you're going to make me cry. If it wasn't for you. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm your mom. I'm glad that I inspired you to be the person, you know, you knew you were going to be, you know? Hi, I'm Jacqueline Snyder, and this is the Product Boss Podcast. I've helped launch and grow thousands of product-based businesses, even one of my own. And over the last 20 years, I've seen behind the scenes of businesses just like yours. Whether they are makers, manufacturers, artists, or food and beverage businesses, I have spent so many hours studying it all. I've discovered what makes them successful. What are mistakes they could avoid? How did they turn an idea into successful business? And what are strategies they have used to make more sales and be discovered by more customers? This is what this show is all about. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to become a million dollar product boss, I'm here to give you the permission to chase your dreams, no matter how big or small. All you need is the right mindset, a little courage, strategy, and support, and you too can be the next million dollar product boss. Let's do this. Hey friends, this is probably going to be one of the most intimate interviews I've ever done. And it's with my mom, Lydia. So my mom is so much a part of the inspiration behind everything that I've probably ever done in my life. Now, part of that is probably a little bit of survival, like watching my mom and the options and choices she had as a young, very young mom with five kids, wanting to be a creative, wanting to do things in her life, but then not really having the abilities or I would say the confidence more so and the time and the bandwidth or the support to be who I thought she could be when I was young. Now, this is the eyes of a kid, right? But what I saw and what we're going to share in this episode is how my mom supported me when I didn't know what was possible for me. She believed in me before I ever believed in myself. She saw paths forward for me that I didn't. And I would come to these major crossroads in my life um, for example, and we talk about this, but when I left UC Santa Barbara to transfer to an art school, while it was a four-year art school and one of the best in the country for fashion design, I was still dropping out of a UC that I worked really hard to get into to go to art school. And I remember people saying, how are your parents letting you do this? And my mom wanted to encourage us because she lived a life that she didn't pursue her passions. And I think that was a regret that she had. And so she encouraged me to take the leap and to do it. And I was so lucky that she did. And she believed in it. She was the person who believed in me when I decided to start my first business designer consulting co-op. When I was, I had left working as a designer for in full time. I was, um, interviewing at jobs. I remember her even driving with me to some of my interviews and I had these clients that, and I'll probably tell my story at a different time, but I had clients through another thing that I was doing and I could have just let them go. But she's like, what if you went, what if you moved forward with us? What if you just tried? And so that whole what if and someone believing in me and what's possible uh, before I could gave me that support to take a leap and to take a really scary leap forward because I knew that she was in my corner. And she knows I've always been in her corner as well. And I've always wanted for her to have the things that she desired, which is creativity and to make her own money and to be independent and also to be a mom and raise kids and all the things. So 
I'm excited to share this episode with you because we kind of talk about that story, the journey, what she did as a maker. Because what I want you to know is that when I speak into this microphone, when I talk to all of you around the world, I'm talking to women that are just like my mom or variations, women out there that have a creative passion, that have an amazing idea, whether they're still in the ideation mode, whether they've started something and they've started selling it, whether they've been selling it for a while, right? But perhaps they don't have the confidence yet to believe in themselves and their capabilities. Perhaps they don't have the support around them to encourage them forward. You know, maybe those people that are listening didn't have a mom that was so supportive in their corner like mine, where my mom could be more supportive and believe in me more than she could in herself. And I feel like I'm going to cry as I say this, but I believed in her and she believed in me. And I want you to know that I was raised by somebody so similar to so many of you out there that that inspired me to pursue my creative passions, right? That I created a career in fashion design. I went to an art school. I left and I worked for people. And then I pursued entrepreneurship. And I started my own product businesses like Cuffs Couture and Lily Mark, which was an apparel line that I started, that I've started so many other people's lines. And that the advice that I would give people, I used to think if only my mom could listen to me. And then one day she did. And that's when things started to change for her. Her confidence. She started to make extra money. She was able to pursue a creative thing that she loved so much and get paid. And you're going to hear about how the Kardashians ended up with her products. You're going to hear about her journeys. You're going to hear about some of the advice I gave her um, and that she actually listened. (laughs) And you're going to hear a little bit of my origin story in this and know that like I am in your corner and I want you all to know that I believe in you. I don't have to know you, but I believe in you and your capabilities and what's possible for you. And I will continue to believe in each and every one of you until you believe in yourself, until you know what's possible or until at least you step forward and do things scared because I'm right here in your corner. So. I'm excited to share this episode with all of you, and let's jump in. Do you know what time it is, Product Boss? It is sweater weather. It's football season. It's Q4. It's the busiest time of year for our Product Bosses, and this is the home stretch, my friends. It's time to close out another year strong and prep for the next year of revenue. So to bring in more businesses Q4 and beyond, you are going to need sales software that's going to help you score. And the top tools are all inside the new HubSpot Sales Hub. With customizable prospecting workspace, smart deal management suite, and AI-powered apps, you can take total control of your operation to generate more leads and land more sales. The AI-powered ChatSpot speeds up your day-to-day tasks with simple chat solutions, while AI Assistant cranks out copy, outlines, and out-of-the-box ideas. They're cleverly designed to accelerate your workflow and baked right inside of your CRM. And when you pair a sales hub with other hubs and HubSpot Smart CRM, your team will be on the same page across the entire customer journey. Leads won't slip through the cracks and data is connected across marketing, sales, and operations. 
so you can better measure your impact on the bottom line. Stop sticking to the same old strategies and start closing more deals because the best time to score is Q4. Make the switch to HubSpot Sales Hub at hubspot.com slash sales. Everybody, I have a really special podcast episode for you today at The Product Boss. And so I'm Jacqueline Snyder, as you know, your host of The Product Boss. And my super special guest, like probably the most special guest I've ever had is my mom, Lydia Brodsky. Hi, Hi, Mom. Hi. Hi, daughter. Hi, Jacqueline. <laughs> so nervous to be on, but I'm so excited that you're on because um, you are actually the original product boss. Like you were the inspiration of the product boss. So I thought that it would be great to kind of bring you on the show and talk to you a little bit about it because, you know, if you've been following the show for a while or you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I often talk about the fact that I believe, especially for women, if we have the ability to make our own money, to be independent, we also can choose the lives that we want. Right. And so you were my inspiration for that. So thank you for being my inspiration. Thank you for having me on today. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I was your inspiration. And uh, and look what you've created. An amazing product boss business. Thanks, Mom. Yes. All right. So I wanted to kind of just jump in and just give a little bit of background. So I'm the oldest of five kids. Correct. You've had five children. I have. Congratulations. I'm not thank sure you. how you did it. I did it. Somehow <laughs> I did it. Yes. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back to thinking about sort of like your origin story. So a lot of everybody knows that I'm first generation American and you came over from London, England, and you were creative as a young person, right? Right. Right. So I'll, I'll go back and say that so much of my story is based off of you always being in support of me. Right. And I say that because I know when I was growing up, you were the mom of five kids and you were not in a very great marriage and you decided you couldn't leave the marriage, right? Because you weren't making money. I'm, I'm just digging right in here. But as I was growing up, I was trying to figure out what do I do? How do I make my own money? What college do I go to? All that. And I'll say that you were the first person that believed in me and was able to kind of like step in and, and um, help me make decisions that weren't typical. And one of those is that I got into a four-year college and my first year into this UC school, I said, hey, mom, I think I want to leave and drop out of this college and go to art school, which was a which was a four-year de- four degree. Right. But I said I wanted to go to art school. Right. So, I remember you having some friends that were maybe at that school and yeah. you wanted to pursue the same path maybe they were doing. Yeah. Right. And I said, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's I think that's one of the things that I remember my friends would say, like, your parents are letting you drop out of a UC to go to art school. And it was Otis College of Art and Design. It was a top school for fashion design. But let's just dig into that a little bit and sort of like your support of me and saying like, yeah, go follow your passions. Right. I guess because where I came from growing up in England and not having like uh, the knowledge of all the choices that maybe I could have had if my parents had like gave me some ideas of what passion I should follow because I was very creative. Um, I thought like, because I was very creative that you now deciding you wanted to go to like maybe be an art school. Why not? You know, go for it. You have it in you. So go, you know, because it wasn't that your parents ever said you shouldn't go to art school. You just kind of went more of a typical way. They didn't encourage it. They didn't, uh, I just felt like every, every one of my friends became at that time, um, secretaries, you know, shorthand typists was back in the day. 
And my mother had done that. And so I just wanted to be like my mother, like do what she was doing. No one said to me, like, are you crazy? You know, that's something you shouldn't <laughs> be doing. You should go to art school. It was never presented to me like that. But everybody in my class was doing that. So that seemed to be the right thing to do. Right. Which I hated because <laughs> it wasn't the right thing for me. Right. Because so, I'm creative. So I should have gone to art school. So when you wanted to go to art school, go for it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So I think, and I, I, I would say that that was probably one of the first like encouraging bits of, of, of other people would say it was normal and that you use kind of from your experience that you were like, go to art school, like pursue your passion. Right. Your passion. You're, you're good at it. You, from a very young age, you were like painting and drawing and I could see you had it in you. Not everybody can sit down and paint a portrait or somebody, you know, yeah. you could. So you had it in you. So what would not? you say like you had in you growing up? Like what was your, cause I think you and I have always differed in our creativity. Right. What, <clears throat> what would, what were you, what would you do as a kid? Um, just going to school, uh, in London at that time, um, as a girl, they put the girls in sewing classes and domestic science, which was cookery school. And the boys went to woodworking. Ah. Right. And I really enjoyed the sewing classes. And I think uh, from that experience of the school offering sewing classes, I, I remember making my first rag doll mm. and I wanted to make her dolls clothes. And so I believe my mother um, got me a sewing machine and that's how I ended up with a sewing machine. No one taught me how to use it. I had to figure it out myself. And uh, from that moment on, that's what I enjoyed to do is sewing and creating. Okay, so you, yeah, because yeah. I remember when I was in arts, I was in fashion school, art school, but then we went in the fashion program, <laughs> and they were teaching us pattern making and sample sewing and all the things for fashion. And you and I, I would look at you sewing things together. I was like, who taught you how to make patterns? Nobody, nobody, <laughs> no, and they still don't teach me. I just figure it out myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I love, right? Like as a creative, right, right, right. And you did it all before Pinterest and Etsy, right? There was no, <laughs> yeah, there was nothing like that. And actually, when you were born, then I got really more creative, you know. Uh, you were my first child, and uh, I made you pretty clothing. You know, I, I like to decorate on items, so I used to buy a sweatshirt and paint it and decorate it and then maybe attach some fabric to make it into a dress and uh, took your socks and added kind of trim to it. That's what you did that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'd always I'd have these like cute socks that are like so nineteen eighties with the right. fold over, and you would put right. there was ribbons right. around it. I mean, I could go out and buy you a dress, but I just enjoyed making it. You yeah. Know? As you call me a maker, you know. As you call me, <laughs> I'm a maker. A maker. I am a maker. Well, you are. Right? I love to make. You yeah. know. I mean, I don't get satisfaction if I was just to go buy it. I like to make it. Like yeah. Sugary. I'm still making. You know. Yeah, we're always like, we just threw like a first birthday party and, right. and, and you know, I would be like, well, go order it on Amazon. And you're like, I'm no, going to make I'm going to make the banners. I'm going to make the gifts. I'm going to make the Halloween costumes. I'm, I'm just going to make everything that you need. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, you know, I think part of the story and, and I don't know, you know, I think what I'm trying to share with the audience is sort of my background that I was always sort of destined for here and also what I was raised in. So, you know, you all back in the 80s were in denim, the denim and fashion industry. Right, right. We definitely were in the in the garment industry, but that didn't excite me so much to be like a like a to sell the items, you know. Yeah. 
I would take the items and do something with it, you know? Turn a it maker who doesn't like to sell. That makes a lot of sense. It does. Trust right. me, you're not allowed. I don't want to know any. I just want to make, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maker's got to make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let somebody else do all the paperwork, you know? Yeah. Um, so, because I remember growing up, you know, so my dad had manufactured denim. Right. And then you all had different retail stores downtown LA. Right. And you would sell to people in these stores. Right, exactly. It was it's in the, um, I guess, in the 80s. It's really hot. Jeans, Jordache jeans, Sassoon jeans, all those Ch Chemin de Fer jeans, all those companies. It was all about the pocket, the back pocket with all the embroidery. That was, that's, that was the business back then, you know? Yeah. And jeans never go out. You know, it's amazing. That's one item that will never go out. So I just wanted to talk about that because I was raised... I was raised, I remember, with like shipping boxes, like big cardboard boxes. I used to lay you in a, in a Jordache box, you know? Yeah. That's where you took your naps. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was jeans. So it was like a box. It was a big shipping box. And there was denim folded inside because right, you guys were right. yeah, packing pants. and shipping yeah, and all that. Men's pants, men's pants. And then you would lay me down in there and yeah. that's where I would be. Yeah. <laughs> that's where, that was your crib. <laughs> that was my crib. So, you know, I, I remember growing up in the wholesale world because you would even take me downtown LA and we would buy clothes from wholesale distributors. Right, right. And I didn't understand that, like, you didn't buy six of everything. <laughs> right. You wanted a pair of shoes. We bought a dozen because you had to buy a dozen. So right. you had one in every color. You know? So there was, like, a minimum order quantity to buying wholesale right, downtown. Exactly. And so my parents, my mom would always be like, why can't we shop at the mall? And you're like, because we can buy wholesale right. and you can get six. <laughs> no, 12. 12. <laughs> a pack of 12. A dozen. So I, so I think like growing up in that industry, like I understood it back then and you were in it, but like you said, you didn't love to sell because you would sell at swap meets, right? In-person markets. Yeah. Well. I mean, I went along to help the husband at the time. Uh, he would sell at the swap meets. They were pretty hot, the swap meets and uh, jeans were all lined up on the tables and people would flock in and buy them all up. You know, they came in from, um, you know, this... Mexico and take them back over there to sell them. You know, it was right. Sell like damaged ones just because it wasn't enough to sell. Everybody was selling them, right? Because people like to hot. buy yeah. like off market or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So and because we're in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. So um, okay. So listen, fast forward to the fact that you have five children. Mm -hmm. All of us nine and a half to just born. So like five, five kids under yeah, ten. Five within ten years. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But you always made things. So I always made things. I made your, you know, before you were born, I made your cribs, you know, all the decorations for the, the crib, you know, the and... bumpers, bumper pads, which you're not allowed to have anymore. <laughs> the comforter, which you're not allowed to have anymore. The pillows, which you're not allowed to have anymore. So what I was, had fun making them. What yeah. was the first thing you sold? Because I know you always made things. And I know a lot of people experience this. But if someone goes up to them and says, like, wow, you're so talented, you should sell this. Right? Did people ever say that to you? No, no one ever said that. They didn't to say me, that. That I should say. I mean, I I made hair bands. Maybe I made them as presents for your friends and stuff. I gave them as gifts. Okay. But the biggest item I did make that people started ordering from me was I think you and your brothers at the time wanted beanbag chairs, and so I said, okay, I don't even know what's inside a beanbag chair. So I went and bought one opened it up and it's like full of styrofoam beads and I thought okay they want them but how can I make it different you know I don't want to copy somebody else's um, design so I created my own beanbag chair 
and I created a beanbag chair that was like clear vinyl so you could see in to the beads. You could see the beads. Well, I didn't like white beads, so I learned how to color the beads. I made them pink, I made them blue, I made them yellow, I mixed them up. And then I learned how to decorate the outsides of the uh, vinyl, the clear vinyl, and personalize them with the kids' names. And because I had five children and there was always someone, you know, coming to pick up their kid from our house, they saw them, they liked them, they started ordering them. So that was really the start of my main business. So they didn't say, you should sell these. They said, can I buy one from you? They wanted to buy them. They so loved it's them. it's a better conversation. Yeah, some were fabric and most of them were like clear. Right. So that was your company. It was called Sit On It. You named it. I, I did name you, it. She came up with the name. She's really good with names. <laughs> so that was, I think that was the fun I thing. Said, I what should I call them? Should sit On It. Sit On It. Sit On It. Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I think, I think part of the thing and part of my superpower is that I was raised with entrepreneurs. So, and I say this because I don't know how many families while driving in the minivan are having conversations about what to name their mom's company right, right. or what she's going to sell, right? right? So I think there was always that kind of creative back and forth of us talking and discussing and thinking about like, oh, what if I did this or what if I created that and and what should I name it and where should I sell it? And people are, because I, I think we talked about pricing, like how do we price it? Right. How, how much is it? You know, it's like I didn't understand how much do I price an item. It's very complicated because it was a unique item. So. Yeah. And was I in high school when you started it? Mizell was in uh, pretty much around kindergarten. So, you're so yeah. ten year, you were 10 years old, probably. When you started the beanbags? Yeah. Oh, because it was like, it was um, Beanie, beanie baby time. Beanie. Oh, yeah. So one of my beanbag chairs had little pockets around so they could put the beanies in. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that because, you know, what you did is you saw, like, what's happening? What's a trend in the market? And how can I create right. something like you wanted, which is like your own invention? Right, right. But then you were like, how do I make this relevant to something that parents and kids need, which is where do you put all the beanie babies? Right. So it was the beanie baby beanbag. Right. And it was a dad chair, too, so he could put his beer inside it in the pocket. You <laughs> no. <know>? Alternative marketing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I just remember, like, having this conversation. So I was definitely in high school. Yes. Um, when it was happening. And I remember you having huge garbage cans. And you – so what was interesting is that the internet was kind of just starting. It was like AOL dial-up, right? Right. right. It was like do-do-do, right? And so it wasn't like you had at your fingertips, where do I find – styrofoam beads and then all these I had this Asian like um you know what called directory book for overseas from China so I looked through there to look for my products I need yellow pages if yellow anyone pages, remembers yellow right pages. that's all I had I didn't have the internet I, I didn't have social media yeah I had to like figure it all out myself you know which um, I will say that you're probably one of the original people like problem solver to me because you always you've always problem solved something and right. in, a, in a creative way and it could be from whether we're, you're making something from you know to exist or like a way to get um I'm trying to think of something funny at our house when I was growing up but that like something that you did that oh like you would write on the light switches like on and off and you'd write arrows like on the thing because like you were just like this is a problem how do I solve it let me do the most practical thing right here. right I think I still do that now. <laughs> <laughs> so what I remember seeing is that you had an idea. You're like, I have this idea. It was a product that already existed on the market. Mm -hmm. And you thought to yourself, how do I create this but improve it? Like redesign it. And the quote that I always share with a lot of people is, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to redesign the wheel. And so the idea of that is kind of exactly what you did. You're like beanbag chair. 
but I want to make it special. What's different? Making them clear out of vinyl, see-through, and then eventually you got to coloring the beads. And how do I make that happen? Right. And then decorating. I used to buy window clings and put them on the clear vinyl as decorations. And then I got into painting them. I wanted different images. I wanted sports balls or Disney characters or things like that. And I painted them. And then it's too much. Like, it's a lot of work, right, when you're doing it yourself. And then it was getting it um screen printed right so i had to figure out each um as i grew i had to figure it out where i should go get this all done and then eventually bringing in flowers from china silk flowers and attaching them to the beanbag chair so it was a big selection i had you know yeah and then i was ready to put them in a store and i carried my beanbag chair to a store it was called bellini's they were in the valley and uh, they loved the product and so they would Fax me orders, and each beanbag chair was personalized with a child's name. So it was a lot of, I used to sew at night. You guys went to sleep. I got busy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of back into that, you you started this, you kind of fell into it, right? You started it because you thought, I've got kids. My kids wanted them. Yeah. They want a beanbag chair. Yeah. yeah. But what if I try something else? Right. So you went and you sourced the vinyl and you did all those things and you kind of started designing. And then like you said, you had the original people, your original customers were, it's kind of word of mouth, people coming to your house, seeing them, experiencing them and saying, hey. Yes. Will you make me one? Will you make me one? The good thing was they might have two or three kids. So they ordered three at a time. Right. So it kind of went word yeah. of mouth because yeah. then they would buy them. Right. They would be using them and, and then they someone would else. Be in somebody else's house. Yeah. Know? Totally. So it was really. And spreading. I remember you, I remember huge garbage ba- garbage bins and you'd pour the beads in and then you'd be pouring paint in and you'd be mixing the colors. And I remember you like testing all the colors and it's just, it was all over our house. There were bean bat, there were one day they spilt into the, uh, the swimming pool. There's nothing that. worse than yeah, styrofoam. Yeah, beads. styrofoam beads. fly everywhere. <laughs> Anyway, but, having a, like, it's like an oil store. But our house, yeah, but yeah. our house kind of turned into this like huge maker studio because these yes. were really large. They were like the size of our chairs. Right. And so I also remember, and, and this is sort of when I coach product people and I talk to my audience now, so much of what I saw you do is what I kind of share and experience. And so, for example, I remember you renting a U-Haul truck, mm-hmm. you by yourself. By myself, Yeah dragging all these like beanbags and I would drive an hour to this location where I could pick up styrofoam beads so it was an hour away my kids were in school driving a u-haul getting them to load the truck up driving it back and then where do I store you know the bedroom the my youngest daughter's bedroom was like I couldn't even see her bed anymore (laughs) so I had to do something about like where do I store these styrofoam beads and so I bought the what do you call it like the moving truck like like a huge container, container. yeah the container like it was a used um moving truck that didn't you know was getting sold and we just bought the container and i thank god i had a space in the back of my backyard to put it <laughs> and i used that as you know storage for my styrofoam beads and to color them and everything so when you started did you think that this is eventually going to turn into a business um, you, no, no, shocked? I just, I didn't think of it as a business, but I like working from home, you know, right. and I was happy with just doing it for the community. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't think expanding it or going to China to make them. 
because I needed that other person. I think I needed somebody else to say, hey, let's take this to the next level. Okay, so I wasn't that person to take it to the next level. I just stayed in my little maker mode. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all pre-Etsy, right? This yeah, is all pre anything yeah, online. pre-Etsy. And then, like I said, I did start uh, supplying some stores with my product. Right, and so that's the part I thought was really cool was that when Bellini, the first store, that you thought they only had one store. I just went into a store that was local. And I said, I showed them the product. They loved it. I started. They started faxing me the orders. Yeah. And then I would get another Bellini call me. They were in Beverly Hills. I said, okay, okay. So they wanted them now. So, and then another location called me like a Costa Mesa. And they used to send a trout to my house to pick up the bags when I finished them. And then another store in, uh, I think it was Vegas, a Bellini called me. I said, how many Bellinis are there? I hadn't done that kind of investigation. Like there was 51 of them in the United States. They were a franchise, you know? Yeah. So part of my issue, part of my childhood trauma, right, was watching how talented you were and are, and that you had this opportunity to grow it, but how you, um, and I think this is why I'm so passionate now, like for my audience and everyone who's listening is kind of like making, you always, like I started this, you always believed in me and saw more that I could do. And I believed in you, but it was very hard for you to believe in yourself. And you were very afraid of what would happen if this business that I'm making with my own two hands actually blew up. It would feel like it was out of control. Would you say that's kind of accurate? I thought like every beanbag I did was so, in, you know, so personalized. Like what color bead did you want it? Did you want it mixed? Um, it had the child's name on it. Everything had to be done. It was very custom. It was very custom. Yeah, it was a custom item. How do you mass produce a custom item? Right. You know? Right. And that was scary, like to take it out of my hands to do it. Say someone came over and said, "Oh, I love your idea. Let's let's go and do it." Maybe it could have been done, but no one really came over and said they right. wanted to. Help I think me. I was too young because yeah. I hadn't been through fashion school yet. But where were you when I needed you? I mean, I was learning. <laughs> I was learning from you <laughs> to then eventually be able to. Help. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was this, this kind of like push and pull of like, wow, like you're really talented. This could be something. I think even last year, my brother, we're all like in our 30s and 40s now, was like, we should bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> but but you were hitting this element of growth. So and then you said, and I want to just kind of go back into this is that. You said, well, I don't, you didn't feel like you, you felt like you needed somebody else. Mm -hmm. So did you feel like you were only the talent, like you were only, you were talented, but you don't know how to run a business? Like, was there a lot of like insecurity around that? Yeah, I think I'm the creative one. I, you know, um, I was that part of it and I needed that other part that, okay, let's do this. We need to do all the, you know, let's say the bookkeeping, the, let's take it to another level like the like business stuff. the business side I'm not the business side and so that's where I got stuck right so my recommendation for anybody that is the maker and they really believe in their item is to go find that business person especially now you have the internet that you know the, what if I was the business person now <laughs> no, no not to you back then I'm yes saying, if you I'm were saying back they then, have yeah, I'm saying they somebody. have podcast yes. education now oh yeah. yeah yeah definitely I didn't have anything there was no there was nothing like that yeah, there was nobody helping a maker grow the business. I grew it as best I knew how to in my own way, you know, but I need that other person to step in, you know, and say, wow, you got great product here. Let's take it to the next level. Yeah. Let me just design. That's why I am the designer, you know? Right. I think that, and so I, I agree and I disagree with you. 
I believe everybody has, I used to think I needed a business partner in my other company and designer consulting co-op when it was growing. And I also felt similar. I thought, um, I was 26 when I started it. And as I was growing it, I just kept thinking, I don't know enough about business. If only I understood what, like you're saying, like bookkeeping, profit and loss statements, understanding taxes, hiring employees, all the business stuff feels very intimidating. And we all feel like maybe we need somebody in business to teach us that. And I remember saying this in front of one of my clients, he was, was a man. And I said, I just, I wish I knew more about business. Sometimes I think I should get a business partner because they know more about business. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I was like, what do you mean? This guy, by the way, was paying me $10,000 a month to to build and run his fashion line, right? And to help himself. And so I'm telling someone who's paying me $120,000 a year as a consultant, right. I don't know anything about business. And he looked at me, he's like, you do know something about business. Like you're an entrepreneur. I have the entrepreneurial mindset because we can learn all of those things. And I think I was talking to you about this before this interview. If you had started your company in a time of Etsy where it tracks sales and helps you with paying taxes, right? If you had QuickBooks and all these like um, softwares and stuff like that, that could do a lot of this. And then you had education like podcasts or oh, yeah, digital definitely. courses. Didn't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. With all the knowledge now, I mean, I have to go buy a book, you know? Right. You had to buy a book. Yeah. Like <laughs> how to start a product-based business for dummies. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I think I just challenge you on that because while you felt like you needed somebody else, Really, you just didn't have the access to the resources, I believe, and probably also the support. Right, right. Right? Right. So I think that support is a really big deal, and you've always been that to me, so I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. Because a lot of the things I've done, I've run by you, and you've been like, go do it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. You're going to be okay. Yeah, you're going to be okay. So, you know, I think there's that, and, and I do want to say, like, in the separation with my co-founder, and this specifically... I mean, there were, I was crying, I was in mess and I felt like I didn't have the ability to do this by myself or to carry a business of the size, really support people. And you were like, what'd you say to me? Do you remember? Yes, you can, daughter. Yes, you can. <laughs> and you want it. You want it. You'll go get it. Yeah. You'll do it. Yeah. So even with this, you're like, I don't know why you're feeling like this. You're going to be okay. So thank you. Right. I believe in you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You you're really doing well. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank you. Daughter. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to, so thank you. And so I think the support maybe you didn't feel like you had, you've given me, Good. which has allowed for me to make such an impact in this world and you being that inspiration. You know, another thing that comes up for a lot of people, and, and you probably felt this way, is like you had five kids. I did. And you were very much a single parent because my dad was pretty absent from it. And so a lot of people feel very pulled between how to raise children and how to grow a business. What advice do you have being like the like super mom of five children? <laughs> and well, I, I always place my kids first. That was the priority for me. And like I said, I didn't touch, let's say, my sewing machine until they were tucked away in bed at night. So I went long hours into the nighttime, you know? Yeah. Or when they were at school and I had some hours there, I would do it, but never really around when they were there, you know? Right. Because I was doing the, the mom thing, you know? Right. And that was number one for me, you know? Yeah. So any recommendations that you have to anyone else that's out there right now, like that's feeling pulled. So do it in fringe hours, right? 
right for me. I mean, I had five children, not too many people have five kids, you know, maybe two kids, three kids, you know? Yeah. I just, um, so it was a lot. I mean, I had so much to do with them. After school was like busy. They're all in different sports. You're in dance, ice skating, painting lessons, uh, all, all those different things, going to friends, picking so them did up, you, everything. Did you have like, I, like, I like to tell people like they have their foot on the gas. They can go as fast or as slow as they want. Right, right. So, I, 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 some people can go fast, you know, that's yeah. how quickly you want to climb. But for me, it was steady. I was steady, you know, steady and sure. Right. Yeah. Cause you chose to not, I chose not, I mean, it's not like I, I was a single mom and I had to raise these kids. So it's very important for me to, you know, like I need to put food on my kids table, table you know, there was a husband in the house and he put food on your table. So right. this is more like. I can take my time doing what I want to do. I didn't have the pressures. But if I was a single mom, then maybe I would have made it like into a business. And yeah. Kids go make your your own dinner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> did you consider it a hobby or a side hustle? Did you, what did you consider? Because it was a business. Cause yeah. People were paying I, you. I would say I was having fun with my hobby, you okay. know? And, and making went, some extra money. And, and making extra, I called it pocket money, you know? Okay. So, but, um, I made a lot of money though. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Cause how right. much were the beanbags? They were a hundred and I, I think back then a good, maybe 125, you know, Yeah, which felt this, like $250 now. Yeah, it was a lot, you know, and I made a lot of them. Yeah. Like I said, everyone was handcrafted and, uh, I didn't put the pressure on me, but it, in different circumstances, maybe I would have had the pressure, but I, for me, I didn't have that pressure. It was just, this is what I enjoy. This is my passion. Yeah. And if I wasn't making that, I went on to make something else. Because eventually I did, like, stop making the bag chairs. Because I wanted to concentrate on my younger daughter, like, going off to um, club soccer, you know. I didn't want to miss that opportunity of traveling with her. And then when I was ready, like, to come back, I just wanted a smaller product. Because I, you know, was dealing with a big product. Now I wanted a little product. So I made something else. What did you make? I just started with baby blankets, you know, <laughs> like this. They were bigger. <laughs> they were smaller, you know. <laughs> and I, I, I still to this day like make custom gifts for people. I just like the personalized gifts. So I still make. And, uh, and if I want to work hard, I work hard. If I don't, I don't. It's podcast recommendation time. And I am so excited to talk about one of my favorite shows right now, which is Imperfect Action, hosted by Steph Taylor. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Now, if you want marketing insights without the fluff, I'd love for you to tune in to this podcast. Now, there's an episode recently that I love, and it's called Stuck and Overthinking. Here's how to start taking imperfect action in your business. And this episode is a game changer. Steph unveils a four-step process to move past hurdles and just dive in. It's real, actionable advice from a marketing pro. So listen to Imperfect Action wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey, product boss. Okay, it's your product biz coach here, Jacqueline, and I have a treat for you. So the other day, we got a message on Instagram from our friend, Lolly. Now, she's a product boss, and she was on the hunt for an easy-to-use inventory management software to keep track of her raw goods and what she had ready to sell. And guess what? We had an answer for her. 
Not only did we have a fantastic inventory management software to refer her to, but we also had a whole treasure chest of 308 other business tools and resources to make her product-based business easier to manage and more efficient to grow. And we have it for you as well. Now picture this packaging and printing supplies, affiliate management, website and email software, legal resources, video and photo tools. Oh my, you name it. We've got it. And here's the cherry on top. It is totally free, right? It's not going to cost you a single penny. That's right. Because you can get your hands on the product boss's ultimate resource guide. Absolutely free. We are on a mission to change small businesses lives and their ability to grow around the world. And whatever we can do to help you do that, we are here for it. And so we're hoping that this resource guide is one step closer to reaching your dreams. So all you need to do is slide into our DMS on Instagram with the word guide and just send us that message and we will send you a link to download it right away. Or you can head straight to the slash resource guide. Easy peasy. Oh, and did I mention you can also DM us guide on Instagram and voila, we'll shoot you that link right away. So my friend, don't wait another second. You can get your hands on the ultimate resource guide for product bosses right now. Now let's jump back into the show. So I do want to skip forward a little because I remember then when I was, I started designer consulting co-op, I was consulting people, helping people grow businesses and you were getting into baby blankets. Right. Um, they were like the minky fabric baby blankets. Right. And I remember at that point we were sourcing, we had talked about it and said, you do not have to make it all yourself. You do not need to cut all the fabric yourself. In fact, we right. can take your fabric to a cutter. Look right. Like, we're gonna, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, eventually on my beanbag chairs, I did take my vinyl to a cutter. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I did relieve myself of, of some of the uh, things that I had to do. Yeah. I mean, I hired your friends to help me, you know. Yeah. They right? would load in and load out. Pay them like $6 an hour, you know. Because that was minimum wage back then. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So exactly. So I think. So I, I was hiring in, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Asking for help yeah. and paying someone for that help. Yeah. yeah. And so I think a lot of times like I talk to makers about this as well, where like it it's still handmade. Mm-hmm. It could still be a custom product. But what part of it can you scale, right? Like right. what part of it can you outsource to scale so you don't have to do every element yourself and cutting the vinyl it was sticky i remember how you had to lay it out mm-hmm. to get rid of all the air bubbles and like the way you would cut it so then taking it to a professional that could cut stacks of them very sticky yeah so they <laughs> it's like so traumatic i think yeah. for both of us yeah. and then you would pull the pieces and then you would create the product the design yeah. long term you probably could have hired someone to sew but we'll mm-hmm. just we'll skip to the future where at this point, I'm in the industry now, I understand manufacturing and outsourcing, I'm in downtown LA in the fashion industry, and we started talking about sourcing your fabric wholesale instead of buying it from retail stores. Right, right. Um, which I learned from you guys because I was always yeah. in that industry. Yes. And then cutting, we had to look for people who could cut and sew blankets because when you're looking for that, they're bigger pieces of fabric, so you mm-hmm. need to find a, a manufacturer to do that. I don't think you ever really did that though, right? No, I just really made them for gifts and yeah. people custom, custom amongst the family and friends yeah. and just your word of mouth, nothing big. Yeah. But we were talking about it earlier yeah. and you yeah. were starting to move the blankets, but you were selling them on Etsy. Yeah. And I, you know, I bought a lot of equipment. I have a sublimation printer. I have a heat press. I have a 10 needle embroidery sewing machine. I have a sewing machine and I have a vinyl cutter. So I have all the machines in my workroom. And then I started a second business 
uh, one day I went into a local boutique um, and offered them my embroidery services because I was really into embroidery, especially the blankets needed names of babies embroidered on them. And the woman, she brought out a Moroccan French market basket and said, can you paint on this? And I basically said to her, I can do anything, you know, <laughs> I'll figure it out, you know. So then I started my French, uh, my Moroccan French market basket business um, where I painted people's initials and painted the stripes that were very popular over the last couple of years. And then it was because of you when after I painted like 12 of these baskets for the Kardashian family, you know. <laughs> for their Easter baskets for a couple Easter years ago. Basket. Someone placed an order for 12 of these for the, all the, the Kardashian girls and the mom. Uh, that you said to me, Mom, let's open you an Etsy shop. So that's when I got involved with that Etsy. Yeah. You know, so you pushed me in the right direction. So you weren't selling the blankets on Etsy to start? It was after Oh, I the... did actually, yeah. I you did were. have very quietly. But I think I told yes. you to put the baskets then on. Yeah, we did the baskets, yes. right. So what was cool about that was that you were already interacting with a retail shop. Right. So to just talk about this in a backwards way, you've never had a website. No. And I think I think one of the things for like startup businesses, people who make something and they want to sell it, a big deal is like how do you have direct connection with your customer immediately? So for you, for example, word of mouth has been really important for you. And I would also say that um, connection, like you've always walked into stores as shy as you are, because I know this is also nerve wracking for you. Right, right. <laughs> but you've walked in the stores and you've kind of suggested hey, like I do this or I sell these or, oh, I can do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so even that suggestion of like, I can do embroidery, why don't you hire me? And mm -hmm. then that woman coming to you, and this was a big store. It was in, was it in Calabasas or Calabasas, Malibu? yes. Yeah. The, the, it's called French, the French store. Yeah, the French like store, yes. yeah. Yeah. I'm from Calabasas, yeah. Kardashians. Before yeah, they Kardashians were the they Kardashians. down the road. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's their customer. Before they were, you know, before they, we've been there. But anyways. So what I want to say is like you, and then what was great for you is you could sell immediately because you had a retail partner. So it was like wholesale or consignment where you could bring the product to the store and it had direct, they would buy it from you mm -hmm. or they would have it. And mm -hmm. then they have foot traffic customers. Right. So right. you weren't reliant or waiting passively, let's say on like, not passively, but you have never had to build a social media or any of that because you found the direct customer, whether whether the beanbag chairs, you right. were word of mouth. Right, word of mouth, yeah. It was, you would do- I did um, shows like, yeah, street, you know. Street fairs. Shows, I yes. remember you doing them like at schools for like yeah. Hanukkah and boutique, Christmas yeah. shows, yeah. Christmas boutiques. Hanukkah and then you boutiques. found a retail partner. Right. So that was like the easiest way. And then I think now with the French market baskets and yes. it's happiness designs, but, you had made that connection and then you thought, I, like you said, I can do anything. So you kind of yeah. did the same thing, right? Yeah, right. You didn't have to go through a huge phone book. I had, you to, I had to just figure out the yeah, internet. I started bringing my own baskets in from Morocco. You know, it's like, okay, where do I get these from? You know, yeah. now you got the internet. Right. So much better. But you're so resourceful yes. because you're like, I'm going to go to the source. I'm not going right. to buy these on Amazon and then try and resell them and then upsell Right. Them. I'm a great saucer. So if anybody needs sourcing, I'm here. Okay. I've got you a new job. <laughs> yeah, I would do that. It's fun. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, if you need a detective or someone yeah. to investigate anything, like you're so good. Like you just keep going. Right. Um, so, so one of the, okay. So we, op we open up the Etsy shop and 
Do you remember the advice I gave you when you were feeling very overwhelmed by all the orders coming in because you did such a custom thing where they mm-hmm. can pick the they can pick the basket, the they can pick the colors, yeah. the the initials, the initials, yeah. different size baskets I had. So yeah. I, I like to you know offer an assortment, but I did. I was really good because I just stayed to one product. Like, oh yeah, so I was you such a okay, you actually you advised me. Yes, like, let's keep just, going. Stay with one product. Concentrate on that. And I and I listen to your advice. Now you're giving me advice. So and you're listening. I, I'm listening. <laughs> she's the boss, <laughs> boss lady. <laughs> so I stayed with one product. I didn't bring anything else into it because you, know? you really wanted to. Like there's times where you oh, see yeah, something like sure. I want to like, make something. Oh, let me add some like lining to this basket. Why make my life so complicated? Keep it simple. So I, I kept to that, and that was that was a great. Uh, Great advice you gave me. So but what about on that? So a big a big part that's like kind of overwhelming to people, especially with custom, especially with Etsy buyers, because they're very particular, is all the selections and choices. But what did you see in terms of a trend? I'm kind of leading you here. But what did you see? Like, how did you minimize your painting time? Do you remember what I told you to do with painting? Oh, I mean, let's say I had six... Um baskets on a table let's say I mean I would put six out and if white had to get painted on the stripes I did them all at one time you know right I mean I, I had my you know that would made sense because I was doing it anyway right so but we were talking yeah. about it because it was like instead of every time you get an order dreading the order because we all know I, it was, I didn't dread the orders right but I, other people I, do I like, enjoyed it yeah. it comes in and then you're like oh I have to get this right out. You did have a lot of trips planned. When they (laughs) needed another basket for the Kardashians and they needed it for the morning and they're giving me the order at like seven o'clock at night. Like, okay, you're going to have to pay me all night to stay up and paint the basket. You had to blow dry it to dry. I had to get it. It was terrible. I mean, it's like, okay, give me, I don't know, $300, you know, for painting all night. You hear that, Chris Jenner? (laughs) I could have charged $1,000. You know, this woman wanted it in the morning for her store, but whatever. I did it. So what I was going to say, though, is from a customization standpoint, on Etsy, when you have a blue and white striped basket Mm -hmm. as the visual, do people go and buy the green and white striped basket or do they tend to buy what they see? Uh, They buy what they see. You've got to put up the product, but they want to see it. Yeah. So what I was going to say is like one of the things from a customization standpoint, I said, well, if a lot of people are buying pink and white and that's the trend, have the pink and white painted or prepped on the baskets that you're showing. Right. To minimize the customization. Yes. But I had a big selection, so I could have, like, not given them such a big selection. That made my life easier, but I like to give them choices. But You and a lot of people. (laughs) I know, but if I did it today, yeah, maybe I could have cut it down by half. Yeah. It's like my suitcase to Europe. I could have taken half a suitcase, not the full one. You know. <laughs> oh, that's a whole other story. So I so I think the part that I love and like what you're saying here is that as you've gone through the years of being a maker and you did the baby blankets and you've done so many different things and then you found these baskets and they were very much a trend at the time. Right. And then the customization part of it. And that you were able to scale it on on using Etsy. So would you consider that you did start a business? Yeah, definitely. So now you could say you're... When I had a shop, Etsy shop, that's the business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, they were taking like the taxes and stuff from the customer, which made my life a lot easier. So um, it was fine. That was good. Good. Yeah. So I love this because I'm really proud of you. Oh, thank you, Donna. I'm going to cry a little. Because I think as a child and watching you and knowing you had such potential, but then you felt like you didn't. But what I wanted to say is because you said when I was younger and you had to sit on it, 
if I had a business partner, but then you did create another business and your baskets were $150. Yeah. 175. Yeah. So more expensive yeah. than yeah. the beanbag shares. Right, right. So you're still selling a almost $200 product. Right. So you're still selling this. You're still kind of making the same amount of money. If, if, if that less effort, you're not weaving the baskets yourself. Right. Not sewing. Yeah. Right. And that you could say you're a business owner. And, and it kept me at home, which I always like to be like making at home. You know, I always right. felt like, yeah, I was making money and it was at home. So I was there for my children. So I right. needed that, you know? And then we all moved out of the house. And then you moved out of the house and I moved out too. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to, then you have like in your house, you've, um, the middle room is your work studio. Yeah. I like having all the equipment. I will always go out and buy my own equipment, you yeah. know? So uh, I like having everything under my own roof, yeah. you know? So I'm proud of you because saying that you're a business owner, because what I wanted to say is like, there's so many things that we get in, the, get in our way and we say, this is why I'm not this, or I've got this hurdle. But what's amazing about living in the time that we're in right now is that you have instant access to people on, through social media, right? Amazing, yeah. You can post and yeah. reach everybody. And you can look, source out for people even if you wanted to hire anybody. You, you can know? source. Like, hey, I, I have a business. Anybody want to be a partner even, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do it yourself. I mean, if you, you really feel like can't do it yourself, then you need to go get that other person. Would you say that, that like, even... I needed that other person. But with the baskets, do you need another person or do you? No, 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 that didn't need another person. But that's what I'm trying to say to you. Yeah. But even now with all the resources you have, right, you right. could have easily gotten the, the bean bags up on Etsy and sold them. Oh yeah. If that was the time of putting them on Etsy, it would have been a better time. Yeah. yeah. Because I would have had like, Hey, yeah, it's just easy. You know? And I don't even know if you know now, but there's these, there's other platforms like for wholesale. So you know how I would always with my cuffs, right. I had to have a showroom. Right. Yeah. Now there's online platforms that connect you the seller to a buyer at a retail store oh okay so you even could like sell right. wholesale kids products by putting them up on this platform right and then retailers all around the world can find you yeah in order it's a much better time yeah as a maker so would you yes, then maybe seller. change your advice a little that they don't need a business oh, partner yeah, looking at back then i yes. did but back now because i did experience having that etsy shop and having the customer on the other side of my computer, let's say. Yeah. It was easy. Yeah. Yeah. And then and I could do it whenever I wanted to do it. No one was watching me or, you know, it's like, I, yeah, I put the terms out when you're going to get your item, you know? Yeah. And I think and my recommendation to people, if they wanted to grow and scale something that's handmade and custom is, and you can tell me if you agree with this is, and you kind of had done this is either to hire someone initially to do your production work. So someone who would do the painting for you, right? Right, getting yeah. the orders and doing the painting, or someone to do your fulfillment. So meaning like putting them in the box and shipping them or right. taking them somewhere. Right, right, right. Would you say there's anyone else you need? Like, because I know you love to make, so it's going to be yeah, very hard to hard. Yeah, that. right. Because I love to make. I want to be that person that yeah. does that. Uh, but whatever, it's fine. Um, yeah, you can definitely get the. You know, you can hire those people definitely. Yeah. People want to work, so and I and I want to say like I completely understand how like so many people come because if they're seeing this interview, like you want you're a maker that wants to make. I want to make, and you'd yeah. actually rather make than sell. I, it just like fulfills me. So, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I totally I, got I that passion. I yes. get yeah. the makers got to make and and wanting and not necessarily wanting to sell because you prefer the the process of making. But it does feel good when people start to buy and right, and right. And if money. you're, you know, you're making to make money and uh, you want to grow, then you definitely need to hire the yeah 
other people to do the little bits and pieces that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I love is like right now you just, my sister will ask you to do um, Halloween costumes for the boys. Oh yeah. I just made you know, like, okay, I can make anything. What do you want? Prime. So they're both bottles. prime bottles. You've made. Right. It's like a Gatorade bottle. Right. <laughs> but now it's fashionable for the kids to drink prime. It's a YouTube channel. Yeah. It's very popular and it's around the world, I think, because we were in yeah. London and, and the was... kids there are drinking prime. So I'm obviously, I said, she thought that I could just like put prime on a t-shirt. I said, that's not a Halloween costume. Oh, I, need no, to you make the them. I need to make them the costume. So I made them into bottles, you know. And then fabric. what was interesting is then yeah. she showed a friend and then that friend said, said, oh my God, you've got to make me. So you could have made money right then and there. I could have, but I said, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm not interested in making Halloween costumes. So I just think it's like really yeah. interesting. Like if you're creative and you put yourself out there and other people are talking about your product, right? Like other people are sharing, which is word of mouth. So far it's been friends and family mm -hmm. that talk about it and they're excited about it. Then you get other people that lean in and say, oh, tell me more. I need something like that or can I get a Halloween right, costume? Right. Or, yes. Oh, that's such a great idea. The Kardashians use those as Easter baskets. I could do it for Easter, right? Right. right. And so I think I think what I want people to realize and think about is like, and obviously you chose not to make it, which is totally fine. But to pay attention to people that are giving you those signals of I would like to buy this from you, because I think so many times people hear and like, oh, oh, it's fine, you know, like right, oh. right. But there's so many opportunities that you can make money and sell your products. You just have to kind of keep your ear open and be a little bit more like you, I think, a little bit more like gutsy and just like, because you're not, you're not the most, you're shy and not the most outgoing and not the most forward person. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, like you have been able to exercise a muscle that doesn't always feel like your strongest muscle. Right. And so like put on your Lydia, like, you know, like I, I let everyone feel like, okay, Jacqueline's mom, this isn't natural for her. We're very different in personalities. But if she can do it, so can I. And so that's what I kind of want people to think about and say, like, what opportunities are presenting themselves in front of me that I can say yes to that might lead to the next thing that you do. Right, 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 right. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just, you know, I think you've been such an inspiration and watching your journey as my mom, um, but also as a maker, like truly the people I speak through to on the podcast, I always imagine you in my head. She's a mom, she's at home, she's creative, she has an awesome idea, she wants to do something with this, and she'd love to make money doing it because it could equal whatever you want to do with that money. Right, right. Right? Yeah. Spending money, paying for your kids to go to preschool, getting someone to help you clean your house, buying a house, retiring your husband. I mean, the dreams can keep going, becoming right. millionaires, becoming multimillionaires. Right. You can you start with like a small dream, but then when you start to see it, you're like, what could this business be? And how can it change my life or like, or whatever? So watching your journey, I can't, I didn't think you were going to say you owned a business. So I was the most shocked I owned an Etsy business, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I did. Yeah. That's my shop. Your shop. So that's the that's the world right now. All the stores are closing down and everything's online. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and while I don't teach Etsy, I love that it's a tool for people, especially makers, that it's like one of those first places out. But right. what you did that I'm really proud of you about is that you didn't go nuts with all the products, but rather right. you were like, oh, 
customized French market basket. Yeah, I, I, it was your advice. Just keep to that item. And I followed it and it was good for me. And um, yeah, and I think uh, if I had uh, continued with the baskets, um, I could have gone to my own website, you know, but um, we're doing other things right now. We are doing other things. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Because like, you did it. And I think, yeah. I think if I look at you from a cycle of like life cycle, I'm proud of you that you had the confidence actually to finally say like, I owned a business and, and thank God for Etsy in the way that it gives a tool like that, a platform like that to reach customers, to get your products on, to do transactions, do all these things when otherwise back your previous self, right? 15 years ago, maybe 20, I don't know how old I am now, but you were, you felt like you could not grow. So I think if we were ever in a time where women can have ideas, think about them, grow a business, reach an audience and do these things. Right. It's like chit chat to anybody anywhere in the world now, you know, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's you now. find some, you collaborate with someone that's doing the same similar item to yourself and let's get together. Let's grow it together. Right. That's yeah. also a great idea. Yeah. And so I think, and it, so if you're ever going to take advantage of a time that we're in, right. The time is now and right. things are only going to get better. Oh yeah. Everything's, definitely going to get better. Yeah. And also just from a, I don't even think you've even gone into artificial intelligence yet. Have you like AI? I, I know about it. Yeah. But yeah. But like, even like, let's say you were still doing it and you wanted, cause I remember you'd also be like, I need to post something on Instagram and then I'd write it out for you. Right. Oh, gee, I've got this unhappy customer, blah, blah, blah. Jacqueline, what do I tell her? <laughs> so also whenever anyone's talking about like their Etsy customers, I know because I was your customer right, service department. Right. <laughs> I'm like, this is how you sandwich a response or social media. I'm like, mom, we need to put these up on Instagram and put a good caption. And so now right. there's like even more tools than we had a couple of years ago when right. I was kind of helping you with right. the business. So I want to thank you for always being really supportive of me. I think I'm going to cry. Oh, don't cry. I would not have gone to art school if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have started Designer Consulting Co-op. No, you're going to make me cry. If it wasn't for you. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm your mom. I'm glad that I inspired you to be the person, you know, you knew you were going to be, you know? Thank you. But yeah. you knew before I knew. Right. I, I have a lot of faith in you and uh, I know you're going to be huge. If you're not huge already, you're going to be wonderful and successful. And you are, Thank you, you know, you are. So everyone's going to learn from you, from you daughter, Thanks, because you have so much. This is so uncomfortable for you. So thank you for being on the podcast. <laughs> you are welcome, right. daughter. Love I love you. you. Bye. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember what we give is what we receive. And we are all about helping each other in the product boss community. We are all in this together. 
We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts, and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.